Good morning, Forest Baptist. Why don't you pray with me this morning? O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And Father, we do recognize that you are excellent, you are wonderful, you are mighty. You are great and greatly to be praised. Your greatness endures forever. And Father, it's because of your greatness and because of your power, we take hope and we have confidence in your perfect plan and how you are working throughout all of creation to bring about redemption for the people that you have chosen to to belong to you, dear God. And even now, oh God, as many of your people and just those in this world, Lord, who are under the, the banner of your common grace are in difficulties and trying times. Many are sorrowful. Many are discouraged. But, Father, may our faith and hope not be in our circumstances, in our circumstances or the circumstances of this world, but may our confidence, faith, hope, and trust be squarely in you. So, Father, even now as we prepare for worship through the preached word, I ask that you impart your Holy Spirit to give us new eyes and fresh ears, ready to receive your word with joy and gladness. Father, have mercy on me. Please use me to speak prophetic word to your people. May you use your humble servant now to accomplish much for your kingdom, for your glory, and for your namesake. So, Father, even now, I ask that you would be with us that you will glorify yourself in all that we think, say, and do. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray. Amen. You know, family, there's an old saying uh, that either you're going into the storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. And beloved, we are in the middle of a storm. And not uh, one, but many storms at the same time. We have the storm of this pandemic taking place. We have the storm of uh, continued racial injustice. The storm of uh, suffering and uh, depression, economically. So many storms are hitting us all at once. This this perfect storm is hitting us this even this week. Uh, so. All these storms have converged upon us at this particular moment in time. And many are hurt and many are sad. Many are discouraged. And rightly so. But through this time of crisis, uh, and though it, it is not completely unique to us in history, because we know throughout history there has been uh, even even worse times, even times filled with more crisis, more pain, more suffering. Even though we do recognize that uh, in history these periods have come, but but right now we're in this moment of time, and in this moment we do have a lot of pain, hurt, and suffering. In order for us to remain standing in these times of crisis, and in order for us to remain standing before, during, or uh, even after uh, these storms come, uh, 
you and I, we, we need a firm foundation. And that firm foundation uh, is not built upon us and, and our ability on what we can do or what we can accomplish. That firm foundation is built upon Jesus. See, Jesus knew we would, we would go through storms in life. Uh, wasn't it Jesus who said in John 16, 33, uh, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is saying because he has overcome the world and because he knows there's going to be tribulation, yet we can still have peace because of what he's already, already accomplished. It's Jesus who gives grace in times of sorrow. It's Jesus who gives us uh, the hope for today and, and the hope for tomorrow. The psalmist says in Psalm 118, verses 6 through 9, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The Lord is the one in whom we take refuge because no one else is as trustworthy. No one else has our good uh, in mind like he does. Praise God that we can trust in him. So we trust in him today. The, the firm foundation upon which we stand right now is the solid rock, Jesus. The, the firm foundation in which we, we need to stand on tomorrow is the solid rock, Jesus. And that firm foundation we need to stand on forevermore is the solid rock, Jesus. So let us stand together on the solid rock of Jesus this morning as a body of Christ, though scattered, still gathered because of who Jesus is, our solid rock. So this morning as we look into God's word, may he settle us, may he give us hope and renew Uh, our strength even today, as uh, it says in Isaiah, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So this morning, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter. Uh, Today, we are looking to finish out the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus' final words and his final warning. So Matthew, the seventh chapter, we'll be looking at verses 24 and 29 today. Here we have before us the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. It fell and and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. This morning, just want to uh, finish up this, this, this section of uh, 
Matthew's gospel with the, the choice is yours. Choose your foundation. Today we need to choose a foundation. You know, one of the most obvious differences that we experienced here when our family moved down from Michigan was certainly the weather. You know, leaving Michigan and uh, with its four seasons, four distinct seasons, uh, we were able to leave that, uh, that, that snowfall and that, uh, that, that cold weather behind as we moved to Louisville. Uh, so we left the snow in Michigan, uh, but we were greeted by allergies here in Louisville. So we all know about this Ohio Valley and, and everything just kind of just settles here. Uh, so we, we, we've experienced a lot of these uh, weather differences being in Louisville now. Uh, but one of the things that really stood out to me about the differences is actually the, the severity of the thunderstorms and the number of tornadoes that would occur uh, in this general area uh, each year. And I remember, I remember first arriving and getting that emergency broadcast to uh, to take shelter, uh, a, a tornado warning was, was going on. And uh, there, those, first, those first times I remember uh, getting with Sister Red and getting the children, and we would kind of just go hang out in the basement. Uh, not too frantic, but just we wanted to be safe, wanted to be mindful. But you know the, what? The, the longer we've lived here and we get those emergency broadcasts, I think we've been lulled into a sense of uh, security somehow. Because we hear those same broadcasts now, but we kind of just go on about our lives and not really thinking about uh, the danger that is uh, looming in those clouds or from that tornado. Uh, and in some ways, beloved, you know, spiritually, we, uh, we've been lulled into a sense of false security. And right here in Matthew 7, uh, this, this, this account of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is sounding an emergency broadcast. And he is saying, this is not a test, but this is something that you really need to take heart. This is something you really need to act on. And beloved, please hear me today as Jesus is speaking unto us. He is saying that judgment is coming and this is an emergency warning. You need to be mindful of Jesus's words right here. You need to be mindful of Jesus's words because uh, as certain as Jesus lived and died and rose again is the certainty that judgment is coming. This is what Jesus has been talking about. This final warning is to uh, let his followers know that there is a day where we will be judged based upon how we serve the Lord or how we didn't serve the Lord. Whether we received this gospel from Jesus Christ or rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible talks about Judgment Day uh, in many different ways. You know, what, uh, one, one way that the Bible talks about judgment is, is uh, a particular day of judgment. So in the book of Amos, we've been going through for our uh, weekly Bible study, we see that uh, down there in the third chapter of Amos that, that God is promising to bring judgment upon the kingdom of Israel because of their disobedience, because of how they have oppressed and marginalized the, the poor and those in need, how they have uh, gathered all the wealth, accumulated all the wealth to themselves, and they're living these, uh, these fat cat-type lives, and they're not thinking about anyone else but themselves. And God uh, sends Amos to declare to them that judgment is coming. 
Now, for Israel, that particular judgment was that they would be captured by uh, another country and taken into exile. That day was coming. He promised them because of their disobedience. And throughout the text of Scripture, we see a number of times that there are days of judgment, days where where God comes and he specifically judges a, a particular action and act of the people. Judgment came on Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment came on the entire earth in the flood. Because sin has entered into this creation, the whole earth is is groaning under a sense of judgment because sin has entered in and disrupted God's blueprint and his purposes on how we should relate with his creation and how we should relate to one another and how we should relate to him. So when we see injustice in the street, in a sense, it's almost a form of judgment. When we see pestilence and outbreak, in a sense, it's a form of judgment. And these many days of judgment are, 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 are taking place, but there, there's going to be this great crescendo of judgment on what the Bible calls the, the final judgment or the day of the Lord. And on the day of the Lord, when Jesus returns, all of creation is going to be uh, judged, past, and present, and future. All those who have ever existed Will, will stand before Jesus and those that, are, uh, that, are, uh, be- that belong to him and are the righteous, they will be rewarded. But those who have rejected Jesus, the unrighteous, they will be punished for their sins and eternally separated. So Jesus is warning, you need to choose what foundation you're going to build your life upon because judgment is coming. Our big idea for uh, the text this morning is simply those who take shelter with Jesus will survive the storms of judgment. Those who take shelter with Jesus will survive the storms of judgment. If I was to summarize this, it's simply take shelter on the rock. As Jesus always always does uh, in a tremendous fashion, he, he... he gives his teaching in a very relatable way to his disciples and to those who are listening. And here he does the same thing. Because Jesus, in conveying that judgment is coming, he uses something as simple as the houses that they live in to convey those who have chose, chosen the, uh, the, the right foundation and those who have chosen the wrong foundation. And here Jesus, he begins to talk about uh, the Israelites' houses and for any Israelite, a, a house is, I mean, that's just something common. Uh, it was nothing for them to, 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 to need to build a house or fix a house, just like we see uh, these subdivisions pop up like overnight. It's just, it was just part of life, building houses in order to live. And for the Israelite, a home would be something like uh, a symbol of ownership. We understand that intimately. When, when you're able to buy your first house and you're able to walk in and, 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 and to say, you know what, this, this is what, what the, uh, the Lord has blessed me with. This is what the hard work and saving has, uh, has provided. It gives you a sense of, of pride and ownership that you are able to purchase a house or build your own house. But also an Israelite would have found a sense of, 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 of comfort from their house a place to relax, a place to lay their head, a place to raise their family. Uh, you and I, we, we have pl- various places in the house, various furniture. 
Uh, whether it's that lazy boy or maybe it's the man cave or the she shed, whatever it is. We have various places in our home that, 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 that provide us a, a sense of comfort where you can kind of relax, let your hair down, be who you are. But most prominently in the text, I think what, what Jesus is conveying to the Israelites is that uh, the home was a place of safety and security. It was a place that would shelter them from uh, the elements outside, but then it was also a place that would shelter them from thieves or those who were trying to attack. So a home was a place of safety and security, and, and, we, and we recognize that as well. Uh, we have locks on our doors. We have alarms. Uh, our homes are a place that we, we, we feel safe or should feel safe. So thinking about a home in that sense, a place of safety and security, Jesus begins to say a house is only as good. Your safety and security is only as good as the foundation upon which that house is built on. And he lays out for us what it means to build on the solid rock and have a good foundation. So here, uh, this house is a metaphor for the beliefs that you would build your entire life upon. And in response to Jesus' sermon, uh, they could either be wise and build their lives on the solid rock of Jesus where they could be foolish and build their lives on the religious belief of sinking sand. This is a choice. This is a choice that you and I need to make. This is a choice between true religion that, that leads to life or false religion that leads to destruction. So here in verses 24 and 25, we see Jesus, he first uh, lays out this, this warning by, by saying, the wise build on the solid rock. Verse 24, everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Imagine yourself hearing that emergency broadcast. Imagine yourself being someone who, who has experienced a hurricane before or who has been through a tornado, hearing that emergency broadcast and, and immediately running to take shelter and safety in your home. And you run to the basement or you run to the bathroom and you, and you get into the, uh, the, those small uh, corridors or doorways, what they say. You go to the safest place in your house and you ride through the storm. And the, the reason why you ran to where you ran was because you knew that area of your house would provide safety. Jesus is saying, that if we are going to survive the storms of judgment to come, we need to run to uh, the safest place in our homes, and that is a home that is just built upon a solid rock the entire place. And we learned some characteristics about the type of person who builds on a solid rock this morning. For in the text, we see uh, that it is the wise who build on the solid rock. And what do the wise do? Well, namely, the wise obey. See, notice here in the text, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Beloved, understand, you are not wise unless you obey. And obedience requires you to receive something and to obey something, to, to actually believe and, and to do something. 
We've all been children, and, and, and we know the phrase. Uh, we've heard it many times. Didn't I tell you? Because we know we've been told to do something, but we did not obey. Jesus is saying the wise person actually doesn't just listen to the words uh, float through their mind, float through their ears, and, and, and go off into space, but the wise person actually hears what he is saying in the text specifically, and they obey. It's nothing for them to hear about being Christian because they have chosen, chosen to be Christian. They are poor in spirit. They are those who mourn. They, they are the meek. They are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They, 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 they are the salt and, and, and light of the earth. They, these are the characteristics that Jesus said in how to be Christian, and, and they choose to obey. They don't just go glance over these beatitudes as those are, uh, are cute morals that we could choose to live by or not, but these, this, this is actually the way that I want to live my life out of obedience with Jesus Wise people obey. This is a thing that's picked up all throughout the, the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, there's a contrast between, between uh, the wise person and what we see later, the foolish person. It's always the contrast. An example of, the, of, a, of, of, of a wise person is in Proverbs 8, the 33rd verse. Uh, it says, hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. A wise person Here's this instruction. It doesn't just toss it off the window. It doesn't just get rid of it. So, beloved, obedience is a sign of wisdom. So if you have uh, been walking around life and, and you just believe that you're so wise, but you don't listen to nobody, you don't obey nobody, you tell your boss how to do the job all the time. You, you, you telling everyone else how to do it, and, and you don't submit and you don't listen. And then, beloved, Jesus is saying that you're not wise because you're not obedient. The wise obey, but then secondly, the wise dig deep. The parallel passage to this text is found in Luke, the sixth chapter. And in Luke's gospel, he gives us additional insight upon what's going on in the text. So Luke, the sixth chapter. Verses 44 through 46, uh, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? How fantastic is that? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. In this text, what Jesus is conveying uh, to us about a wise person is that uh, the wise dig deep. He, this, this wise person, just, it, he dug deep to the bedrock in order to build his, his house upon that firm foundation of the rock. The, the, the wise person is someone willing to expend the necessary amount of energy in order to get to the core truth of who Jesus is and is willing to, 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 to place their whole life and trust on Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. The, the, the wise dig deep. The, the wise aren't, aren't satisfied with just a cursory glance at what Jesus says through Scripture. 
The wise are not satisfied with just mere tradition of religiosity. The, uh, the wise are not satisfied with just putting on the church clothes and, and, and showing up to church, but really not allowing Jesus to make an impact upon their lives. Beloved, the wise person is digging deep into their word, getting nuggets of scripture in order to apply their word. The, 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 the wise is someone who digs deep and, and takes the, the Psalms at heart where it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The, the person who digs deep, the wise says, I have hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against God. The wise dig deep because they're seeking to build their house on the solid rock. The wise obey, the wise dig deep, but then thirdly, I think uh, another thing we see in the text that uh, the wise will not fall. This is important. The wise will not fall. And the reason why the wise will not fall is because they have built upon the solid rock. The solid rock of what Jesus has just declared and decreed in his preaching and teaching. The solid rock where where Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. These, These are nuggets of rock upon which our foundation of life should be built upon. See, but notice, their house will not fall because of the foundation upon which they built their house on. Their their house is, is not falling not because of the quality of their construction, but because of the quality of the foundation. You get that? So when it comes to building our lives, it's not how good, it's not how well I perform. It's not if I got it all together that my house is not going to fall. It, it, the only thing that matters is it, have I been building on the solid rock? Because if I have been building my life on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, then everything is going to be aligned and everything is going to be set straight and the rest of the construction is going to work. But I can build a a, a nice house, a nice construction, and have it last without a firm foundation. That firm foundation is Jesus Christ. So it's not because of my ability to build, but it's because of what Jesus Christ has already accomplished, that uh, the wise will not fall. They will not fail on that day of judgment. So what does it look like to build upon the rock? What do we need to see in our life to to realize if we're building upon the rock or not? Uh, Well, I've shared it before, uh, last couple weeks, but one way you can know if you're building on the rock or not is really, do you love Jesus today, and do you depend upon him daily? Do you actually consult Jesus before you make a major decision? Do you consult Jesus before you make any decision? Did you ask Jesus if you should have quit that job and went off on your boss? Did you consult Jesus where you decided to take that other job that has you working a billion hours and now you can't see, even see your family? Did you consult Jesus before you got in that relationship? Did you consult Jesus before you opened your mouth in that relationship? 
One way that you can tell if you're building your life upon the solid rock is before you act, you actually uh, uh, pause and think about, would Jesus be pleased? Is this really uh, the direction that Jesus would have me to go? You're building on a solid rock if Jesus is at the center of your life and you're living uh, in service of him. That's how you know when your life is built upon a solid rock. But then there's a second person. There's a second foundation in this text that Jesus points out. And Jesus says to us today that the, the wise build on the solid rock, but the foolish build on seeking sand. Look here in verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So just like we saw previously how the wise is characterized by obedience, here Jesus says the foolish, the fool, is characterized by disobedience. Simply put, the, the foolish person is one who doesn't obey. The fool disobeys Jesus. Again, we look to the Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Oh, beloved, be careful right now because we're, I'm quick to and you're quick to think about somebody else who's reckless and, and careless. We're, we're thinking about other people right now who's reckless and careless. But, beloved, Jesus is sending the warning for everybody and is sending this warning for you. We know a whole lot of reckless and careless people. But, beloved, have we been reckless? Have we been careless? Have we, have we been reckless with our words and reckless with our actions and careless to those who are suffering and careless to those who are under our charge? May we not be the fool building our homes on disobedience to the Lord. Not only is a a fool reckless and careless, but a fool says one thing and does another. Simply put, a fool is a liar. See here in in, in 1 John, uh, the first letter of John, uh, the first chapter in the sixth verse, he says, "If, if we say, We have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. He's saying that if you you say that you have fellowship with Jesus, but you you keep doing what you want to do, he said you're you're a liar. You're a fool. 1 John 2, 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. A, a, A liar. So those who go around and say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, uh, 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 I'm part of the people of God. But yet I, I daily, every single day, I live my own life. I'm getting turned up, blue out, drunk, high. I'm, 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 I'm continuously uh, uh, satisfying myself with sensual pleasures. I'm, I'm constantly on pornography. I'm constantly cussing people out. I'm constantly got a bad attitude. I'm, I'm constantly bitter. If all of those people who say they have fellowship with Jesus, if, 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 if that is a pattern of your life, 
Jesus says, you are a liar and you are a fool. Disobedience is a sign of foolishness. But what else do we see? We see that foolishness, that the foolish are shallow. Go back with me to Luke, the sixth chapter, right quick. So back in Luke, the sixth chapter, verse 49 specifically, Jesus reports in this parallel account, but the one who hears and does not do them, his words, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What he's saying is, uh, the foolish is just the opposite of the wise. The foolish is lazy. We see in Proverbs that the foolish is equated with the slugger, the one who doesn't even want to uh, roll over or get uh, or come out of the house, so they make it all types of excuses. So the foolish person is is shallow in their and what they believe to be faith. So they don't really know scripture; they just know all of those religious quotes, like "Only God can judge me," or uh, "God helps those who help themselves." I, I'm not saying those who said that ain't saved, but what I'm saying is that's their whole life. All they know is. It's, it's pithy statements, but they don't know the true word of God because they've never done deep. They're shallow. They're trying to build a life without doing work. Beloved, so many of us want to be Christian, want to follow Jesus, but aren't willing to do the work. Did you know that Jesus said if you're going to come to him, you got to die? You, you, got, you actually have to lay your life on the altar of of. Of, of sacrifice, and you have to die to yourself in order to be a servant of Jesus Christ. That ain't easy. And when it comes to the people of God living uh, like Christians, we have to get to the point where we're willing to do hard things because of the hard work that Jesus already has accomplished on our behalf. For by grace we have been saved. But Jesus says the foolish are shadow, not not only are the, the foolish disobedient, the foolish are shallow, but lastly, the foolish will fall. In the day of judgment, the foolish will fall. And the reason that they fall is because they have rejected Jesus. Rejection of Jesus leads to a total collapse of life. You may be good for a moment. You may be good for a season. You may even be good for a while, but ultimately, that storm of judgment is coming for you. And in that day, when your faith and the strength of it is actually tested by the storms of judgment, will your faith hold or will it fall? Proverbs 10, 25 reminds us, when the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. The foolish fall because they've built their life upon sinking sand. What does building on the sinking sand look like? Building on the sinking sand is uh, living for today, living for the moment, instead of, instead of living for the glory of God. Sinking sand is accepting uh, a life that, that is a complete rejection to God's word. 
Seeking sand is looking the part of a Christian, but not actually knowing Jesus. Seeking sand is uh, doing your best to look good on the outside to everybody, but on the inside, you know that you are a whitewashed tomb, what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Seeking sand is, is wanting to be out front to, to look like you're, you're the most pious or you're the most godly, but uh, you, you know deep down in your heart you're just doing it because uh, the attention just excites you. Beloved, don't build your life on the sinking sand. Just as if you went to the beach and you tried to hold on to some sand, how quickly it falls from your hands because it's weak. But you go to the same beach and you pick up a big rock and you open your hand, it's, it's still there because it is a firm foundation. Beloved, the wise build on the solid rock, but the foolish build on sinking sand. And ultimately, this, this is a contrast between obedience and disobedience. Will you obey God's word or will you disobey God's word? Beloved, where are you today? For real, for real. Examine your own life. Don't think about anyone else's life right now. Think about your own life. Are you really obedient to, to Jesus? If you don't know what it means to be obedient to Jesus, then you're probably not obedient to Jesus. So you can't keep going through life uh, not thinking about it or not doing something about it. If you don't have an intentional desire to serve Jesus, then you're probably living a life of disobedience, seeking to satisfy yourself instead of serving the Savior. Beloved, the text is challenging us today and warning us, will you be a disciple of Jesus or will you be a denier of Jesus? Beloved, as you think about your own life right now, Ask yourself, what type of builder are you? Are you the wise builder or are you the foolish builder? Have you been building your life upon the wise nuggets, the wise uh, rocks of Jesus' word, that foundation? Have you utilized the scriptures to actually build your life, to live by? Does the word of God actually have authority over your life? Does the word of God has authority over your mouth? Does the word of God has, have authority over your thoughts? Does, does the word of God have authority over your actions? Or are you the foolish builder, building on sinking sand? You're just kind of doing life however it comes, not really thinking, not serving, living in disobedience because you're living for yourself. You know, I never thought I would ever use the fairy tale story of the three little pigs in the sermon. But in a sense, isn't it like that? Because initially the, the pigs built their homes. One was out of straw and wood and brick. And then the big bad wolf comes and he blows down the one that was made with straw. And then 
He comes down and blows down the one made of wood or sticks. But then the big bad wolf comes to the house that was built of bricks. And he can't blow that down. Beloved, what is your life built of? Straw, sticks, or bricks? From the quarry, that divine quarry of the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Beloved, there may be many of you at home right now saying, you know, I want, I want to obey, but I just don't know how. Well, beloved, there's good news. I have good news, and, and obedience begins by grace, by grace. By Jesus reaching into your heart and bringing that type of conviction where you're broken over your sin. This, this good news says that uh, even though you are a sinner, even though you have disobeyed God's standard, even though you have rejected Jesus, that you still have the opportunity to repent and turn to him. Obedience begins by grace. Repent unto salvation. Or some of us, we need to repent unto service. We're kind of like sideline Christians. We're content to let everyone else serve Jesus, and we just kind of tag along. That's good news. That we can understand our brokenness, but yet be made whole through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the good news is not only that obedience begins by grace, but obedience abides by grace. It's not us white-knuckling it and holding on to Jesus as hard as we can. It is Jesus literally holding on to us when we have surrendered our life to him. And he gives us the grace for a sustained surrender. That is a life that is fully lived day by day in desperate need of Jesus, fully trusting him and knowing that he will give you every single thing you need in order to be obedient to him. That's good news. Jesus has literally paid it all. He has purchased all of the building materials by his blood and he says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest beloved with this good news of grace we have the privilege to lean into Jesus this morning and we simply lead in by reminding ourselves of that song we, we sing my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Beloved, build your life today on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, because those who take shelter with Jesus will survive the storms of judgment. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that you would penetrate our hard hearts and soften our pride and give us, grant us the humility and the grace that we need to repent. 
May we repent today and turn from ourselves, turn toward salvation, O oh Lord. One we, uh, another may need to repent unto service unto you. But Father, I pray that you would use my weak, foolish words to accomplish much for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, beloved.